It's show 148 of the Rim Pro Report today. Oh, William Palisano of Lincoln Archives and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I checked out the O'Neill website today and noticed that the upcoming O'Neill Partner Conference is now 80% sold out. Let me repeat that 80% sold out. Well, you know what that means. I, I know you understand the math part, but more importantly, it means that if you're not registered, it's time to head on over to O'Neillsoft.com to get registered and then get your hotel room booked. It's that good and you don't want to miss it. Speaking of missing it, I recently discovered that the roof of my car is a really lousy cup holder. Welcome to the Rim Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry, hustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, hello, Rim Nation. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad you take the time to join us. Did I tell you that this is the 148th show? What I continue to love is that we have so many interesting people to meet and know in this industry. And today on the show is no different. Bill Palisano of Lincoln Archives in Buffalo, New York is joining us today. Bill, from my perspective, is one of the most positive guys and happy guys in the rim industry. And it's translated into a positive and cool business story. So I'm looking forward to getting to know him more today. But before we do, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. To any of you getting soaked or flooded out this week in dealing with all the implications of that in your business, our best wishes and support to you. Industry-wise, I have to say it's been a pretty light week of news otherwise, but here's some of the news that made it to my desk this week. PHS Data Shred, the UK-based confidential data destruction division of PHS Group, also based in the UK, has purchased Better Shred, a mobile document destruction firm based in Milton Keynes, UK, that has more than 900 customers. PHS Data Shred now has 15 destruction centers nationally in the UK. So congratulations to Anthony Pearlgood, the managing director of PHS Data Shred, and John Tipping of Better Shred on the sale of his business. All right, check this out. Looks like there is a show on the Discovery Channel about the guys who build and repair shred machines. I'm not quite sure how I missed it, but it's called Shred. Yeah, just Shred. And it's not really about our industry per se. It's more about the guys at SSI who build and support big-time Shred equipment. So if you love the equipment that does the shredding, you might enjoy checking that show out on the Discovery Channel. Speaking of shredders, this is interesting as well. Whitaker Brothers of Rockville, Maryland has announced plans to introduce a new shredder that actually uses laser technology to destroy documents. So the whole uh, outcome of a laser shredder will be a smaller particle size than any current production paper shredder in the marketplace. The company expects to release this new laser shredder by the fourth quarter of next year. I'm looking to forward to seeing this product come to market. I don't know. Every time I say laser shredder, I somehow think of Austin Powers. Well, that's all the news for this week. Yep, the summer slump is still in force news-wise. If you've got news you want to share, drop me a line, send me a smoke signal, give me a call, whatever it takes. I'd love to hear your news and what's going on in your world. All righty, I'm going to get Bill Palisano on the line. Hang tight while I do. William Palisano is the president of Lincoln Archives based in Buffalo, New York. Let's get to know him better. Bill, are you there? 
Yes, I am, Tom. How are you doing today? Hey, it's great to have you on the Rim Pro Report. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's it's nice to finally get you on the show. I've known you for a number of years, and I feel like, uh, despite passing in hallways and having brief conversations, I, I really don't know your story. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So let's start a little bit with an overview of Lincoln Archives today. Tell me about the company in terms of size, services, scope. Uh, give, give me a sense of what Lincoln Archives is all about. Okay. Tom, um, Lincoln Archives, uh, we're headquartered in Buffalo, New York, which is where you know most of our facilities are. Yeah. Um, we have three separate facilities in wow. Buffalo, New York area, and uh, our largest is our hard copy document storage facility. That's about 80,000 square feet. Um, our second facility is our document shredding facility. We have a, a plant-based operation uh, about five minutes from uh, our main facility. That's about 80,000 square feet. And then our third facility is our backup tape vaulting facility, and it's also our uh, data center where we uh, host our uh, cloud backup servers. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, we also have uh, two document shredding vehicles for on-site document shredding, and um, we also have a, a year ago I opened up a sales and marketing office in Tampa, Florida, and that is really uh, only supports uh, our marketing efforts for our cloud-based backup and recovery services. So um, Tampa is about a year old. We're just kind of getting our feet wet down there. And, uh, again, that only supports our cloud-based backup and recovery operations. So anything that we would back up in Tampa or anywhere in the world, really, would be actually stored in our data center in uh, right outside of Buffalo, New York. So Tampa, Florida, uh, strategically speaking, is that because it's a vacation spot? Well, um, a couple reasons. Um, we actually, uh, you know, our parent company and some of our sister companies are in the moving business, and I'll get more into that in a little bit, but we actually have had a, a moving company down in Tampa, Florida since 1980. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so we actually have people on the ground. We have facilities. We have an office down there. So, um, wow. you know, back in my previous life, I used to go down to Tampa. I used to do all the IT work. Um, for our, our moving companies and our other companies. So I was kind of familiar with Tampa, and um, it just it's comfortable for me to go down to Tampa. Wow. So how many staff are you do you have within the Lincoln Archives umbrella? Uh, we're not a huge company, um, although we've got these different facilities and all that. We've got about 20 uh, full-time equivalents wow. um, between our three operations here and uh, um, our marketing people in Tampa. That's great. Mm -hmm. So let's go back into the history of Lincoln Archives. What was the genesis of your business? Give me a sense of how this whole thing got started. Okay. So um, before, I, before I started Lincoln Archives, I worked in our family moving uh, business. And um, our family runs, uh, at least ran four uh, moving and storage companies, all agents for Atlas Van Lines. Hmm. So um, our, our operations were in Buffalo, New York, Rochester, New York, Syracuse, New York, and Tampa, Florida. Um, we also had a public warehousing operation in Buffalo, and we also had, or we have um, a foreign trade zone operation outside of Buffalo as well, and that does international warehousing and distribution logistics. So here I am growing up in the moving business. Uh, I work for my father, and uh, um, anybody that's worked for their father um, knows, you know, the uh, trials and tribulations of that. So in any event, uh, in, in the late 80s, my dad, who was an, an entrepreneur himself, um, he became interested in this really strange business called record storage. Right. And in, in like 1989-90, I was fresh out of college uh, with uh, I had degrees in finance and MIS. And uh, I, I was working for the family business as an IT guy. 
And in Buffalo, we also had a 200,000-square-foot warehousing facility. So everything was kind of in place for my dad to, to be like, uh, you know, we got to get in this business. And he kept saying we should get in the business. So, so basically I said, hey, I'd like, uh, the, you know, the opportunity to open it, to run it. And uh, I did the research on it. I did, like, a market analysis, pricing, who the players were, how I'd start the business, et cetera, uh, with what space and what, what assets I'd need. And I actually sat down and gave my father a formal presentation of a proposal. Wow. And he, uh, he smiled. He congratulated me on uh, such a thorough uh, business plan, uh, well thought out, and he let me know. And uh, he then, and I'll never, ever forget this, he then took my binder and put it on the bookcase shelf behind his desk. He actually shelved the project. And now I'd spent nine months researching uh, only to have the project shelved, so I was ready to come across the table and strangle him. And, uh, but I didn't, um, and I, you know, handled it well. And for the next two years, he kept bringing it up saying, we need to get into record storage. We need to get a record storage. We need to get into record storage. And finally, I kind of lost it. I said, look, I want to do this, but I'm not going to spend another year of my time creating a business plan only to have you shelve the project. And he said, okay, what do you need? I said, Dad, I need 100 grand, and I need 5,000 square feet on the second floor. He said, okay, you got it. Well, you got 20 grand. So that day, we actually, he took me to the bank, and he had our parent company uh, guarantee a loan, and I got a loan for my first $20,000, and uh, that's what I started the business with. Wow. Wow, yeah. that's great. So <laughs> so $20,000, um, you grab this $20,000 or you get it, you've got this business plan in place, now what? What do you do with that? What What's, what's the process? How does it unfold from there? So basically, um, I really had no real experience in, in, in the industry, in the business and all that. Uh, yeah. I joined the ACRC right off the bat, which, as we all know, became PRISM. Yeah. Um, I joined ARMA, and um, I, I tried to learn as much as I could. And because we were already in the moving storage business, um, the software that we used actually had a module for record storage. And back then, it was like a DOS-based program. It cost like a 1000 bucks for us to get this module. So it actually had barcode tracking and all that, and it, and it was very inexpensive uh, to buy the software. I, I racked about 2,400 square feet of this 5,000-square-foot room that I had, and um, I basically went about, um, you know, getting the business ready to start marketing it and that, and uh, I hired uh, a kind of a friend of the family that was a, uh, an older gentleman that was like a business guy, a well-known Buffalo business guy, a friend of the family, and he started making some phone calls and contacts, and uh, he started to get me in to start to talk to some potential clients. And, uh, you know, our first, our first clients were obviously our CPA firm, uh, my dad's lawyer. And, um, <laughs> you know, those are the first people went at. It's it basically like a guilt thing. Okay, hey, we're starting this business. We give you business. You got to give us some business right. back. So that's kind of how we started out. And um, Sales through guilt. Of, I love that. Sales through guilt. That's, that's pretty much that's what my father taught me. And and good or bad, I kind of use that on our vendors all the time too now. So Love it. <laughs> that's how we started. That's fabulous. So, so how long did it take before the um, the twenty thousand ran out, or until you got enough enough momentum to not have to go back to the well? I mean, I know in this well, business we're always going back to the well, so it, that never changes. But 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the 20K was gone rather quickly. Um, just buying the racks took up, I, I think we spent about half of that on the racks, the right. grand on the software. Didn't leave me a lot of extra money. Now, now keep in mind, though, I mean, I basically, I wasn't getting charged anything for rent for the space. Right. And all of my cost fees, uh, benefits, not were being paid for uh, by my uh, our moving company because right. I was still working as the IT director at the, the MIS with a moving company as well. Right. And... Um, so those guys were paying all my expenses. So really, in a sense, I was free labor to the business. So, um, but that first twenty grand, uh, it went quickly. It was probably gone in um, the first ninety days. Um, you know what I didn't spend on uh, equipment, um, I pretty much spent in uh, postage for postcards and you know this consultant to do some telemarketing for us, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. So be- before I dig further into sort of how the, the business evolved and, and what happened and what you've learned, um, you, you mentioned earlier it's it's you're part of a large family business. You're, you, you know, you, you went to your dad, you're working with your dad. Um, so tell me more about the family effect as you got started. Um because I know when I, I kind of dug through the the peripheral parts of your you know business the the bigger um, family business I noticed that people running these businesses all have the same last name so yeah. I mean I'm only going to assume these are brothers or cousins or something but tell tell me about the effect of being in a larger family business like you you've been in for all these years. Sure. Anybody that's in a family business can really understand where I'm coming from when I say this, but. Family business, you got to be partially crazy right. being a family business. <laughs> right. um, and you, you got to actually have a good sense of humor. You have to have a uh, slow burning fuse. And uh, you really all have to be on the same page. Uh, that, you know, the goals of the company, you know, really need to be the most important thing. And if the company does well, it'll take care of the family. Um, we kind of learned that not just from my father, but from um, his grandfather and his father because. Um, we're kind of a long line of like uh, business entrepreneurs in, in, in the Buffalo area. Hmm. And when I say that, I mean my, my great-grandfather had a grocery store on the west side of Buffalo, and uh, he used a horse and a wagon to um, uh, deliver groceries wow. uh, to the customers in that. And he had seven sons and three daughters. He wow. had ten kids. Wow. And one of his sons... Um, actually, you know, wanted to borrow the horse and the wagon to actually deliver some crates because somebody had asked him if he could do that. And I think he was going to get paid like maybe 15 cents or 20 cents. So the one son started to deliver crates around Buffalo um, using the dad's uh, horse and wagon, you know, on the weekends or in the evenings and that sort of thing. Now, that one son actually built a business that spun off like eight different companies and I recently was clearing out some stuff out of my dad's old office, and I found a financial statement from the ni- 1961 of the company. And interestingly enough, um, I didn't—I knew it was a big company, but I didn't know how big it was. Um, I actually ran the numbers, and the financials said that their revenue in 1961, if we equated it to um, today's dollars, it was a $51 million company. Holy now, this cow. was started... Yeah, this was started with a horse and a wagon delivering some crates. And the guy that, that started it, he he uh, he dropped out of school after eighth grade. Hmm. So here's a guy that was that was running the equivalent of a of a fifty million dollar company that was a dropout after eighth grade, and he he had a business acumen. He had he just they just knew how to do it. Yeah. And 
His other brothers all actually started out other businesses that were all related to warehousing freight, uh, truck uh, truck rentals, forklift rentals, forklift wow. repairs, and all that. Wow. So that's kind of the background of our family business. And my father is the same way, where he started a lot of different businesses, and they're all uh, logistics, transportation related. And I have four brothers and three sisters. Wow. Now... The sisters not did not get into the business at all, but all the brothers are. And the way that my dad has this designed and, and, and worked out is that um, we all run separate uh, corporations and separate businesses, yet we all, at least we used to all, own an equal share of every business. Hmm. Now, that's changed now because we're, you know, we're buying sisters out and we're buying uh, you know, one or two of my brothers out. But none of the brothers ever really worked uh, in the same business, with the exception of my business, when I when I first started it out, but uh, we all kind of run our own shows. Oh, cool! And, but if but if we all are producing, then the overall company produces, and we all benefit. Yeah, so that's very. That's cool. really how it works, and you know, you know, family business again. It, you got to be partially crazy to do it because you, you really need to be able to like deal with your your brothers. In my case, and my and father. Um, yeah. And on a professional basis by day, and you can't let the stuff that, that that's tough and, and hard affect you on the weekends or the evenings because there's birthday parties and Thanksgivings right. and all right. that. So that's a challenge. Yeah. That's definitely a challenge with running a family business. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's great, great knowledge, though, because I, I think sometimes – uh, in in the rim industry, there's a lot of family business. Granted, there's the consolidators and some of those other bigger uh, operations happening. But in the family business, which is so so much a part of this world, uh, trying to understand how to structure it and how to do it and how to make it work. Um, you, you guys have obviously had a long history of doing that. But let, let's go back into Lincoln Archives as a as a company that you started with $20,000 and 5,000 square feet. Um, yeah. In capsule format, tell me some of the major stages of your growth and evolution along the way. Where you know, Because you, you sure. said just a few minutes ago, you now have hard copy, you've got shredding facilities, you've got shred trucks, you've got a vault, you've got e-vaulting, you've got all these things of a full-service rim business. But, I mean, it sounds to me like, when you started in 93, you were 5,000 square feet of space and you were putting boxes on shelves. So give, give me a sense of, of all the different stages you've come through. Sure. Okay, so yeah, so we uh, started the business in 1993, and that was basically primarily only hard copy document storage. And, uh, you know, over the you know the first five years or so, that's really all we did. But then uh, I believe it was sometime around 1998, I got a call from one of our insurance carrier clients, um, and they said, "Hey, Bill, um, over the weekend we had our computer systems were down, and um, we store all of our tapes in a bank vault uh, across the street from us, and we could not get the bank to open up the vault on the weekend. Can you help us?" And I said, "Sure." Right. Let me, I said, sure, I can. Um, what do you need? And they said, can you come down and take a look at our backup tapes, and let's let's try to figure something out. So I went down, I took a look at their tapes. Um, they had a couple racks of computer backup tapes, and I said, I can I can I can do this. So we took like really a glorified closet of our facility, and I climatized it, and I put some alarming into it, and I said, okay, we've got a tape storage vault. Right. So once once we had them, I said, you know what, we can spin this out and actually do this. You know, with other clients, we started to market that. So we, our, our tape vaulting business was born in 1998, and, uh, you know, that just kind of steadily grew. And um, for me, 
I get kind of bored every couple of years. Yeah. I need to start a new division, a new operation, just to keep it fresh. All right. But also, you know, to keep us relevant. So yeah. in, uh, in 2003, that's when we actually started out our document shredding operation. And at that time, I was actually looking at two different things. I was looking at doing uh, document shredding, but at that time, um, there was also this uh, catchphrase called uh, um, e-vaulting or online backup. And um, so this is 10 years ago. And I was looking at that and having an MIS and IT t- kind of a background, um, I was thinking, okay, I wonder if we could do this because we're already doing the tape vaulting. What's the next, next step? Hmm. So I looked at them as two different projects, and I said, okay, tape vaulting, uh, I'm sorry, e-vaulting or hard, uh, hard copy document shredding. I looked at the numbers. I looked at, you know, what we'd have to do to, to do each of them. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm still kind of, I'm not as technical as I need to be to do this, so we're going to go as to an easier, a low-tech type of an operation. So we got into document shredding. Hmm. So in 2003, we bought our first, uh, we bought a used, uh, I think it was a freight, international straight truck, and we talked to some people in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we did the, you know, did the startup truck with right, a 10-horsepower right. shredder, yeah. roll it on, roll it off. Um, you know, subsequently after that, we started getting some real volume together and, uh, and then we bought a, a baler and you know we, we started doing more of the shredding in you know uh, in the plant wow. but in any event um, the funny thing about that was was suddenly after I don't know maybe about a year year and a half we'd established enough business that I said you know um, I, I couldn't sleep because we had a sweetheart deal for space for this uh, the facility that the shredding operation was in it was basically in a building that was that the, the the owner bought it because he thought that a bridge was going to be put right where that building was. So we bought it for spec. So um, that was going to be knocked down. So the building was empty. I had fifteen thousand square feet on the ground floor. My rent was four hundred dollars a month. Oh my gosh! And so it was a sweetheart deal. Now the problem was was we had a ninety day cancellation clause that they could cancel me or I could get out of lease with a ninety day notice. As the business started to grow, I started to I started to realize, holy cow! I mean, this is like a real business. We're starting to do real volume. <laughs> we're starting to make money on it, and I could be out on the streets with a ninety day notice. So, at that point, we started looking to buy buildings, a uh, building for that operation, and we, we ended up doing so uh, within a within a couple of years. Wow. Um, we did we did end up buying a facility. I think it was around two thousand four. And uh, funny thing is, is we actually bought four different facilities, and, and three of them fell through for one uh, reason or another. Um, one facility, um, interestingly enough, we, uh, we knew that it was a, a gas station location in the 1920s, so our, our, our lawyer said, hey, you know what, based on the title search, um, you're going to have some uh, environmental issues. We need to do a phase two right away. And I said, okay, no problem. So I was actually at, I can't remember if it was a NAID conference or a PRISM conference um, in California. I was at Disneyland. And I got a call on my cell phone in the middle of one of the conferences, and uh, he said, hey, Bill, are you sitting down? I'm like, that bad? He said, not only did we find so many bad chemicals in the ground that I'm going to advise you not to buy the property, but we have to issue a DEC spill response number to the site. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, okay, I guess we better cancel that one. Yeah. So, oh, um, dear. That was, that was one of the trials and tribulations of buying facilities. But anyways, we did buy a facility. We moved into it. And in 2005, um, we actually bought a new shredder specifically for hard drives, backup backup tapes, uh, et cetera. 
And the neat thing was that uh, our very first uh, electronics uh, recycling hard drive shredding job was like a $13,000 job. Wow. And we had, we had the shredder for about, I don't know, maybe a month at max. So that was pretty cool, and we were real happy with that. Wow. And then, um, you know, in 2009, you know, four years later, um, again, you know, I never gave up the thought of, you know, we need to do the next phase of uh, data storage. And I started looking, uh, again, at doing a, a cloud-based backup. I'm, the name itself had evolved to cloud-based backup. So um, in 2009, we actually, uh, um, we actually opened up our cloud-based backup uh, service offering in the facility that I had purchased for our tape vaulting facility. In my mind, I laid it out that half of it was going to eventually be tapes and half of it would actually be servers. So um, that's how our, our business has kind of you know, evolved to where we're at now. Wow. That's very cool. It's a, it's a cool story because I, I think one of the things when, when we're in the – those those people in our industry who have decided to be sort of the, the full service, all the different aspects, you realize over time you keep evolving this and you keep developing it and you keep going, what's the next thing? How can we add addendum services to our existing clients? And it's really cool to hear how that has evolved for you. But as you look back over that, maybe what was the most difficult growth stage for you? If you could name one, what was the, what was the one stage that, that felt like it was the largest to get through? Uh, the very first stage when really? we started up document storage operation, I really had no real knowledge of the industry. Um, I had really, I, I wasn't funded, yeah. you know, really well enough to do it. And I'm actually going in to call on companies, and I am quote the expert in record storage. Right. And um, you know, I knew inventory systems because you know my right. ba- my, my right. warehousing background and my my background, I, I I knew inventories control systems and that, but. Um, the, the, the first stage of just starting the business out, when you have zero clients or when you have one or two or three clients, it's really difficult yeah. to do tours of your facility. Right, right. Which is which is a major selling feature at this point <laughs> in, in your life, but when you got nothing there, um, it's it's hard. Yeah, I, I actually had, uh, I, I made some inroads to one of the largest law firms in, in, in Western New York, and um the, uh, the the negotiations and the the meetings went really well, and the facilities manager wanted to come to my facility and see our facility. So I brought him down there to our facility, and we're in this huge, you know, it's a 5,000-square-foot uh, room. Uh, it's only racked, half of it's only racked, and out of the racks, we probably had maybe 800, 900 cubes. Right. And he looked at me, and he said, Bill, he's like, you know what our needs are? I mean, we're doing, you know, we've got like 50,000, 60,000 cubic feet of storage. What in God's name makes you think that you could handle us? And I kind of chuckled. I looked at him, and I said, Ken, you'd be one of my only customers, you know, and he <laughs> laughed. And as soon as he laughed, you know, he's just like, hey, you know, um, you know, we'll give you a shot. And yeah. uh, they gave us a shot, and that was 20, uh, it was actually about 19 years ago now, and we still have that client, and they're, they're one of our largest clients. Wow. And uh, uh, I'm meeting with them this, uh, this, this Friday morning about – you know, just some other stuff that we might do for them. So that's, that's very cool. But once we got them, once we got this client, all the other law firms in town said, holy cow, XYZ company just switched to Lincoln Archives. Yeah. Maybe we should listen to these guys. Yeah. And that helped us immensely. Yeah, I love those anchor clients. God, it was awesome. Yeah. So is there any part of this RIM business that, 
currently causes you indigestion, anxiety, sleepless nights, um, mindless fear kind of stuff? Um, is there parts of it? Because I know the, the, the world keeps evolving. It keeps changing. And it sounds like you've always kind of kept up with it. But I, I can only imagine, and because I live and breathe this industry every day as well, that there's fears that, that sort of show up sometimes. What, what would be your major ones? Well, my major fears are, are basically concerns are, are basically, you know, let's be realistic. Um, I mean, our core, our, our core business, our original business, our biggest part of our business revenue-wise is document storage. Right. And, you know, document storage, um, you know, the paperless office was supposed to be here like in the mid-90s, late-90s, early 2000s, et cetera. But on the medical end of our client base, we do work with over 100, you know, 150 medical clients. We really are seeing major decreases, reductions, or totally elimination of paper documents for them. Now, we're still picking up medical, like small medical practices, small medical groups, and we are still picking up hard copy documents for them. But um, it's not like it was, you yeah. know, 15 years ago or even 12 years ago. So right. I'd say the biggest, you know, the biggest concern that I have is, you know, anybody that's in this business, um, knows that if you do it right, hard copy document storage can, can create some pretty good margins and it can create really good cash flow. Right. And, um, you know, obviously we do other, uh, you know, business lines and that. And um, the cash flows in some of them are, are good, but maybe not as good as uh, the, the document storage business has been. Yeah, yeah. So um – what do you what do you love most about the life you leave, lead these days? What what do you love about your business? What do you love about running a, a an archive company? What do you love sure. about running a rim business? Well, you know what I what I love about it is that you know what I I, I created this business out of scratch, out of basically you know a dollar and a dream. You know, right. it's like I created the business really for a couple reasons. Number one, to not have to work for my father anymore. Right. Um, he was a he was a pretty tough boss, and um, as long as as I started this business and I was bringing results, he stayed out of my hair. He just he didn't really get involved. He didn't know the business either, so he couldn't really right. um, try to run it um, run it over me. Um, so um, the neat thing is, is that I really enjoy is the fact that I built this from nothing, and you know it's a good business, and I have good people working for me, and I provide you know an income for you know twenty people and yeah. their families and yeah. that. I really enjoy that. And, you know, some days are really tough days, you know, because you're dealing with difficult uh, clients sometimes or difficult employees or you're, you're dealing with some of your employees' difficult situations that they have at home and that. But I just, I really enjoy that, that, you know what, we built this from nothing and it's something that we can all be proud of. And my team members, you know, I try to really impart on them that, hey guys, you know what, do your best. Yeah. And just and be proud of what you do. The trucks need to look good. The operation needs to look good. Uniforms need to look good. Be proud of who you are, what you do. And hey, you know what? We made something out of nothing. Out of nothing, and it's providing for all of us. Yeah, that's fabulous. So, if you had access to a full service genie in a lamp as it relates to your business, what would you ask for? What one thing would you ask for if you had one shot at it? Well. I, that's a tough question. I, I, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to wish for, but the other thing, too, is, you know, nothing in life that's worthwhile ever comes easy. So I'd be kind of reticent about, you know, wishing for something that's going to change my life or make something really easy. But if, if I had to 
if I had to wish for something, I, I think I'd probably just wish for that 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 my family, my uh, my team members, their families are basically happy and they're safe and they're taken care of. Mm. Um, just just that my people are, are taken care of. Yeah. So you've had a lot of experience. Ninety three, you started on a on, you know on a penny and a dream, as you said. Yeah. You you had a plan, and now you're sitting here in 2013, and you're looking back over all these years, and you've learned a ton. You've got all this knowledge. You've got all this experience. You've had all these mistakes. You've had all these you know this wisdom that you've gained. But if you could go back with all you know today and give yourself a piece of advice in ninety three, what one piece of advice might you give yourself? I would never have settled for $20,000 to start the business. Mm. <laughs> wow. I, I would have negotiated probably three times that, four times that, because what it, what it was is basically, you know, the first, really the first 10 years, it was all sweat equity. I right. mean, basically, we really didn't have, we weren't funded enough. We, we really didn't have the investment in the business to really get it up and running. It took a long time yeah. to, to bring in clients. It took a long time to, to buy equipment and to buy you know, the stuff that we needed. Yeah. And, and we really, you know, we, we tried to do everything ourselves. And um, so it was really, it was a lot of hard work. And I don't begrudge hard work or, you know, or, or doing it ourselves. But I think I would just have probably required more money. But, you know, my dad offered me 20 grand. I took it and ran because right. I was like, right. you know what, this project got shelved once before. If I don't take it, man, I'm, Might not you happen. Know, I'll be doing this forever. Yeah, but it's it's good advice because I, I think one of the things we know in this industry now is how important capital is and how important that yeah. uh, that ability to fund the requirements that are necessary to make it make it happen. So um, that that's great advice, and I, I think that advice is still very valid and practical today. No, what I was going to say too is you, you asked me about you know what what I really enjoy about the business now is. I mean, we're old enough, and and we've created enough um, cash flow that when I want to do a new project like this, you know, we buy a facility for our tape vaulting operation, or we we buy all the hardware and software for our cloud backup business. I actually have the cash flow to do it. Right. So that's right. something that's really satisfying. I mean, when right. I want to do something, I can just do it. Yeah, make it happen. And I, I don't bite off something that's too big for me to swallow, but um, but at least I have the cash flow that if I want to do something, I can actually do it. Yeah. Well, one of the things I know about you, every time I see you at a conference, there's this guy with a smile. Like you, you just have this uh, effervescent personality about you, which I love. But I, I've also learned you're a bit of a prankster. So, um, as we kind of end, uh, as we end this show today, because we've blown through thirty minutes already, but I, I'd, I'd love to know the best prank you've ever pulled. Coming from a large family, you you tend to get into that kind of spirit, especially with lots of brothers. But what oh, yeah. what's the best prank you've ever done? Okay, the the best one that we did, I basically my wife and I pulled this one off. Um, it 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 was on or about the time when uh, Nate and Prism uh, they did their joint European conference uh, in Tuscany, right. and uh, <clears throat> so I you know I was getting the, the literature, I was always pulling it up on my uh, my laptop at home, and I'd be looking, I'm like, hon, we got to do this, we got to go to Tuscany and all that, and our kids, and at that time our kids were like probably fourteen, twelve, and ten. You know, um, they keep seeing us talking about uh, Tuscany and all this stuff. And they started, you know, asking, well, what's going on? What is Tuscany? And we're like, oh, it's a city in Italy. And, you know, it's a really pretty city and all that. And they're like, well, why are you looking at that? And we're like, oh, no, we're just looking at this for, you know, just, just we're interested in that. And then after a couple of days, 
we basically called a, a family uh, uh, meeting, and we said, kids, we're moving to Tuscany. <laughs> and my, my oldest said, I'm, there's no way I'm not moving. I've got a life here. I'm not going to Tuscany. There's no way. Our middle child, who's a daughter, was uh, at that time, she was um, probably 12. She said, but what about my friends? I'll never see them again. You know, we can't move to Tuscany, whatever. <laughs> and my, my youngest daughter, at that time, she was 10. She's like, cool, Where, when are we going? Right. You know, so we're just like, you know, we're just working out the logistics now and all that. And the kids were just upside down. They just couldn't believe we're moving to Tuscany oh, and all that's that. that's so funny. That's and so we, we let it go until about, I don't know, maybe a week, 10 days later, we got a call from the principal of our, our kid's school. And uh, she said, she said, you know, Bill, I just want to check on something. Uh, I hear you guys are moving to Tuscany. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, oh, Judy, Judy, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? Um, that was actually an April Fool's joke. We're pulling on our kids. And uh, no, it's not true, you know. And that night we came clean and we said. Oh, it's funny. That's and so, so funny. That, that was the best one. For Prank gone too far. The the principal's oh, yeah. calling you to. to oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, that was funny. Well, Bill, it's it's been a real pleasure getting to know your story more, getting to know a little bit more about you. And uh, as always, I, I am really grateful for the opportunity to to know about what's going on in your world. And and I think it's it's fabulous that you've taken the time to share it with us. So so thanks for doing that today. Uh, continued success in your business. Uh, you're you're doing cool stuff, and I can't wait to see um, you know the next ten years of your business. It'll be fun to watch. Absolutely, Tom. And I want to take the opportunity here to, to thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you had a big impact on, on, uh, on my business and my life. You may not, may not know it, but, you know, after I read You Are the Logo, um, I really uh, I really used a lot of that in practices, and we market a lot differently than we did three, four years ago. And, and that's thanks to you, Tom. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for being on the show. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. Well, there you go. Another great story. Special thanks to Bill for joining us and sharing his story up there in Buffalo at Lincoln Archives. I love these kind of success stories. Uh, A penny in a dream. Well, 20K in a dream. Uh, But uh, what a great story. And it's so cool that uh, I I loved how uh, he has kind of taken that a little bit of a starting place and, and translated it into a real success story. And thanks to you for stopping by to be a part of this show today. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, a big shout out to our good friends at O'Neill Software for sponsoring the show. As they prepare for their conference next month, I'm reminded about the charity partner they've chosen to support with their record center challenge, St. Jude's Research Hospital. St. Jude's is a really great story connected to a struggling young entertainer named Danny Thomas. After years of struggle, he eventually found great success as a television star, which led him to found St. Jude Children's Hospital. And that that's who O'Neill is supporting this year at their O'Neill Partner Conference in the famous Record Center Challenge. If you want to learn more about it, uh, be part of the group that, uh, that gets to experience that really cool event. You can check it out at O'Neillsoft.com. That's it for us. Hope you have a great week. We'll check back with you next week. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.